What's going on, Tile friends? I hope you're having a great Saturday. I hope you had a very profitable week and are looking forward to the weekend. It's a beautiful day here on the central coast of California. So I've got a solo cast podcast today, and I've got five questions that were asked on the Instagram page. So I want to, first of all, let you know what these questions are, and then I'm going to get get going on doing my best to answer these questions. Um, hopefully I can shed some light and help you out a little bit. And we can also discuss this, continue this discussion in the Facebook group where we're growing every day. Lots of, uh, I'm really, I'm really um, amazed and I'm really thrilled about the comments and the questions. We're talking about lots of great business topics there at Tile Money inside Facebook. It's a group. So Ashley Andrews, and you can find Ashley on Instagram at MacTown underscore tile underscore co. Ashley asked about job cost and tracking. So this is a very important thing. I'm going to shed a little bit of light on what I've done and hopefully that'll help you out. Excuse me. Ron Lawson at Wiley or excuse me at W-I-L and W-A-Y-T-I-L. E co and then the number one <laughs> while end way tile co one how to build a price list of services was his first question and what should you lump together and what add-ons a couple great questions there ron and i'll get to those and hopefully shed some light on that as well at damien orion damien is a fellow tile contractor in my area and i saw him just earlier in the week so good to see you active in the groups, Damien. Thank you for your input. He asked, how do you set up pricing for good general contractors versus homeowners? This is a great, this is a great question, Damien, and I hope to shed some light on my thoughts. I don't work for a lot of GCs, but I have a couple thoughts um, on the subject. Luke asked, how do your guys get materials in a pinch? And this is a great question. Um, you can find Luke at tile period installation period systems on Instagram. He's doing a great job of reviewing some tile installation sh- systems over there. You're going to want to check him out. At tileholic, tile h o l i k, Jaime Diego asked me the infamous question, the one we all want the answer to. <laughs> the one none of us can agree on. Mud versus foam. <laughs> Jaime, how could you? This is a business discussion. (laughs) But thankfully, I have a business twist on this, and I don't see a lot of people discussing it, so I'm going to shed my my thoughts on it. I don't have a a pony in the show as far as which one you use. Uh, They're both great products, but I do have a business twist on it, so I'm going to save that question for last. All right, let's get to the questions. Job, cost, and tracking. So... What's worked really well for me, um, I'm kind of an old school guy, so I just use a folder and all the receipts go into that folder. Um, the hours from day one, every day I, I attempt, if I, if I let a few days go, it's okay, but if you let a week go, you start to forget. Uh, it's best every single day, at the end of the day, you write down how many hours your guys spent on that job, who they were, and what that cost you. And then you add up the material cost and you keep really good track of everything that way. That's worked well for me, helping me dial in what things cost. 
I know there's also software out there that will actually do a really good job if you spend a lot of time in the office in front of a computer. You might want to look into some of the software. I'm sorry, I can't recommend any, but I know it's out there. Um, so I hope that helps you out there a little bit. And I just wanted to let you guys know this is this is really important. This is a great question and a great subject that Ashley brought up because this is going to help you and this is going to be the only way you're going to know what you need to be charging your clients. And knowing your numbers is so important, knowing what you should charge because you don't want to be undercharging, obviously, you know, that's the whole point, but you also don't want to be overcharging because there's no reason to overcharge if you know your numbers and you can hit your profit margins within a couple percent, 5% maybe, you can hit your profit margins on every single job. And if you're tracking that, you know, let's say let's say a quarter goes by and you, and you see, and you were trying to get um, a certain percentage and you see you were dipping below, you can go back and adjust some of your numbers. So tracking is so important to the successful contractor. All right, let's move on to how how to build a price list of services. Ron Lawson asked this question. So it, I think that ties in with the first question is it's just going to take time and tracking. Um, if you're brand new to your business and you haven't been tracking, you know, if first of all, if any of you are listening and you're a helper, start tracking. If, if you're thinking about, you know, maybe in a year or two years or whatever it is, you, you, you're thinking you might want to own a business, you better start thinking like a business owner today. Because once you open the doors and if you put some marketing tactics in place, you're going to be hitting the ground running, especially if you're, if you're going to be opening your doors soon. And you're going to get really busy really fast. And I talked a little bit about this in some of my first episodes, how I wasn't able to focus on the numbers because I was so busy and I left a lot of money on the table. So start tracking how long things take now and start looking at how much materials are going in and you can start pricing those out as well. So that's how I would do it. I would I would just do that and then you can start building a price list of services. You know that the average shower takes X takes you or you know the average tile setter that you've worked with X amount of time and you've come up with X amount of dollars for materials that you choose and that's how you start to build your price list. And I'm gonna run through that um, after these questions. I'm gonna run through a little bit more detail on how to how to charge how to what how to know what to charge your clients basically. So the second question, what should you lump together and what add-ons? Uh, you need to learn what kind of showers your GCs or your customers in your area are, are wanting. In my area, there's almost, I, I kind of assume there's gonna be a, a mosaic band, a glass mosaic band running through the shower some point. And I assume there's gonna be one shampoo niche. So I lump, I lump all that together and I basically have a, a minimum price for a shower and I'll just keep it simple and talk about showers for a minute. I basically have my minimum price for a shower and anything, you know, over one niche and one glass band with say, you know, large format, you know, tile 12 by 24 or maybe a subway tile um, is going to be a lot more money if they want you know, two different tiles, chair rails or add-ons, a second, you know, well, the, each niche costs money, first of all, but I just assume we're going to do one. If they do a second one, that's that's more money. If they want a footrest, that's more money. Um, if they want glass, that's more money. Marble's more money. So I, I think this helps shed light. Anything that adds time on, you know, if you've, if you figure, well, my showers are 
I've come up with about 40 hours of work per shower on average. So I'm going to, you know, have a minimum and then anything above and beyond that, if it sounds like it's going to cost me, if it's a tile I haven't worked with before, or, you know, a designer that's come up with a few different tiles in there, some of these showers will have two or three grouts in them. Those are all add-ons. So I hope that sheds some light there for you on that question, Ron. Damien Arine, at Damien Arine, A-R-I-N-E, um, a fellow Central Coast Californian here, great, great installer. I saw you the other day. Um, good to see you there at Tileco. He asks, how do you set up pricing for good GCs versus homeowners? So I think this is a great question, Damien. Um, I know I know how you work. You work pretty much alone, it sounds like. So for you know, you have to decide can you get can you get more done in a week with a GC versus a homeowner? And I think typically the answer is going to be yes. Typically, if you're in a GC's project, it's, you know, if it's more than one shower, you could get, you know, you could get some of your prep work done a lot quicker than you can. You know, if you're prepping two showers, in other words, it might take you, um, I'm just going to use some round numbers here. I don't know, 20 hours to prep. uh, Well, that seems a little high. Let's say, (laughs) well, let's just use it, whatever. 20 hours to prep the two showers all in. And if you're prepping one shower, maybe it takes you 16 hours or, you know, 14 hours. So see what, so you're kind of increasing your, um, and I'm just making that stuff up on the fly here. So I don't know, but you're, you're increasing your, your volume. You're increasing what you can get done in, in a couple days there. So I, I would think that, you know, you, you could price differently for GCs versus homeowners, um, but it's all going to have to go back to that number one question, that very important question on job and cost tracking. If you're if you're tracking your you know how much you get done for these GCs and what amount of time versus homeowners that you know and homeowners can vary greatly. I mean, some like to talk and some like to stand there and watch you. So that's kind of a, a tough one there. Um, and if you're just more comfortable working for GCs and that's kind of what you want to do, I would say you know maybe yeah lower lower your prices, keep it keep it a little lower for them um, than a homeowner because typically you are spending more time with that homeowner and there's extra work involved. So I'm sorry, I, I, I feel like I'm not shedding a lot of light into the subject, but that's just my thoughts. I work like 85, 90% direct to homeowner. So um, I think my problem was I wasn't lowering my prices for the GCs and that that was part of my problem. And now looking back, I think I could have probably lowered my price a little bit. Not that I, you know, don't, it's, it's all about, you know, you want to hit your hourly rate, your daily rates, but I think I could have got more done in a day in a, you know, two, three bathroom house, new construction versus what I get done in a one bathroom house. So hope that makes sense. All right. Luke at tile period installation period systems. How do you guys get materials in a pinch? And this has been a problem for me in the past. I've lost time and money basically by running out of materials. So early on, I I learned to really do my best to stock the materials on the job. Now, all of this year and a little bit of last year, I have a 14 foot trailer that I stock and I use a lot of the same materials over and over again. Uh, Like my grout, I use 
pretty much just one name brand of grout and the grout i'll just say it it's laticrete permacolor select um so there's a free plug there for you i've chosen it because you know for several reasons but i like that the color packets i can pretty much keep uh, i keep probably 40 50 color packets in that trailer they're very small and i keep probably you know 10 to 15 12 pound bags of grout in that trailer as well and we use it pretty much all the time unless spec spectra lock unless sometimes i might upsell to an epoxy grout or it might be called for we did a commercial job recently so we had some spec some uh, epoxy which was spec for the job so hope that helps answer that question i know um you can also you know as you grow you're going to want a lead guy if you have a couple crews in there you're going to be running around doing the materials that's what i'm doing at some point you're going to want to replace yourself and just be the owner you're going to want somebody that can run around and kind of keep the guys on track and make sure they have the materials because you do not want the installer leaving the job if at all possible because if he leaves it's going to be probably two hours before he gets back to that job and another 45 minutes before he gets back into the swing of things so you've you basically lost three hours because you you ran out of a bag of thin set and this can be a real problem when you're starting out and you're not thinking um, clearly it's also been a problem for me when I have too much going on and I'm not thinking clearly so I've like I said I've been getting better at it I still have a ways to go you can also open up accounts with your tile supply suppliers that your lead guy could go around and pick up materials in the morning as well um, I know other guys have a shop or even just a little uh, what do you call it storage unit where they stock materials and their guys will meet there every morning if, if needed to pick them up so these were all the pricing questions before i get to this famous question mud versus foam um i i wanted to run through something that i got from tom reber and tom is uh you can find him on on any podcast platform the contractor fight is the name of his podcast he also has a group the contractor fight and he's a great business coach and he helps guys get to know their numbers that's his number one preach thing he preaches about is knowing your numbers so he's come up with the simple way to estimate a job so i'm going to make up this is going to be made up entirely made up so don't go off of these numbers these aren't your numbers and these aren't my numbers this is john smith the made-up tile contractor john smith tiling all right now he's got a two-man crew and he's figured the labor cost on his two-man crew directly to him is $60 an hour, okay? So I'll repeat that. His cost for his two-man crew to do a job is $60 an hour every single day, no matter what they're doing. So Tom breaks the estimate sheet down into three phases. One, preparations. Two, the build. Three, the finish. Okay, so now he's got two things in preparations pre-job staging hours so you might think maybe getting the getting the tile and the materials to the job i've written down for on behalf of john mr the made-up tile contractor that he estimates this is going to take four hours getting the tile to the job and unloading the tile and materials he's calculated fifty dollars 
for material cost. I don't know how he came up with this, but that's what he that's what he's got here. <laughs> now, he now the second phase of phase 1 preparations is preparing the job site, rolling out plastic, rolling out floor protection, things of this nature, you know, maybe setting up the the saw. He's got that at 4 hours as well. He's got material costs there at $50 as well. So we've got eight hours in preparations and $100 in material cost. So 60 times eight is 480 and $100 material cost. This job so far, he hasn't even, his crew hasn't even started the work, has cost him $580, okay? Now we're gonna go on to phase two, the build. This is typically what we think about when we're estimating a job. If we're only thinking about the build and we forget about preparations, we've already lost $580. Or John, excuse me, John has lost $580. The build, he figures this particular job is going to take 40 hours. And he figures $1,000 for his material costs. So his cost is $60 an hour for his two-man crew. At 40 hours is $2,400. That's what it costs him in labor. Total material cost him a thousand. That's three thousand four hundred dollars in phase two cost to John Smith to do the job. John's a business owner and he's got these two guys in the field. I'm repeating myself, but to make a point. Phase three, the finish. This is something often I forget about, and I'm sure you're the same. Most jobs, you you go back pretty much always after the work is done. To seal it, um, silicone the joints, you know, do some touch-ups. Maybe the guys installed a chip tile. So he estimates, on average, he's got four hours per per this kind of job per week for finish hours. So four times sixty is is um, two forty. And he figures he's going to have about $200 material cost. Maybe he's got some expensive sealer or whatever. I don't know John's business. but So the $240 labor cost to John plus the $100 um, material cost. Not $200, I guess. It was $100. That's $340. Some of these numbers might be. <laughs> anyway, so that's $340 that the phase three cost him. Okay, so all three phases lumped together. He's got 52 hours times 60 is 3120. And he had 1200 in material, total material cost. So he's got total job cost. This job cost John Smith, the tile contractor, $4,320. That's what it cost John to, to do this work and to provide the materials. Now, Tom preaches, Tom Reber preaches a 50% markup on this number. And this is just a very simple way to come up with how much you're going to charge for something. So 43.20 times 2.5 or 50% markup equals John's sell number. He should have sold this job at $10,800, give or take, but essentially $10,800. I always like to round up, <laughs> but $10,800 is what he should have sold this 52 hour job for. 
So I hope that shed some light on, um, and I want to thank, you know, Tom Reber for, you know, sharing that with me and with his uh, tribe over there at the contractor fight. So I want to make sure to give him a shout out there. So I hope that sheds some light on how to come up with some numbers. And these, again, are not my numbers. They're not your numbers. This was a made-up scenario. But it's it's important because I think it's fairly realistic there. So now the, the big question of the day, mud versus foam. So in the left ring, we've got mud coming in at 100 years old. <laughs> and 800 pounds per square foot. No. <laughs> So anyways, we got the mud, which is a great product, and we've got the foam, which is a great product. Both both products are great. I've used both products, and I love um, utilizing both, and I was having a discussion with another tile contractor in my area, and there's some products, some tile installation, some tile out there, uh, we were talking about a glass tile, that actually requires a scratch. This is what they ask, is they, they ask a scratch, a mud coat, scratch, and brown. Not, not just a one coat mud float. So there's times in your career, if you're going to be a career tiler, where you're going to want to know mud. There's also times where you're going to want to know foam. Now, what you choose to use is entirely up to you. Now, here's my unique take on it. I think that if you're in the Midwest, I'm going to pick on my home state. If you're in Minnesota and 95% of your competition is using a, bo- a board, a foam board, let's say, or maybe a few, you know, 80% is using foam. Another 15% are still using um, a cement based board. <laughs> you might want to stand out and be passionate about mud. And this is going to be, this is what I like to call a sales tactic that you can use in your favor. You're going to want to use mud. You know, I'm not going to twist your arm, but you could use it to sell your jobs, to be very passionate about and say, this is why I'm different because I believe in this product. This is the result. It, you know, gives us blah, you know, on and on. So that's a sales tactic. Now the verse, now the, um, the opposite of this is myself over here in California where mud is king in general. I'm using foam on probably 90% of my jobs, 80, 85, 90% of my jobs. And I'm selling foam because I'm unique and I'm passionate about it and I, I talk it up. Now, the finished product is up to you. You're, you're the professional. Come on, guys. You know, just because you know a little bit how to throw some mud on the wall doesn't make you a king of tile. Just because you know that foam comes with certain warranties and whatever doesn't make you the king of tile. It, it's just your professionalism and your, you know, your experience, your hands-on experience that's going to make or break your business and your your final outcome. Obviously, there's there's jobs being done in both both substrates that are wrong. But my point is, I want to just talk about the business side of things. Use it. Use whatever you're passionate about to convey your passion to your customer. Convey your knowledge to your customer and sell, sell, sell. That's going to be the name of the game. If you're looking to build a business, you're going to need to be a salesman or a woman. You're going to learn, you're going to need to learn to sell your company, your way, your passion. All right. That's the end of my rant and I hope you enjoyed it. So I'm going to get, get on with my day here, take my daughter to the park and enjoy this beautiful day. And I hope you're doing the same. 
So I have been enjoying this podcast and the group, and I've been learning a lot, and I hope the same as you. Thank you for all the feedback. Until next time, friends, take it easy. Hey, friends, it's me again. Say, listen, I made a major math mistake. I don't know how I let it slip. It was too early in the morning and not enough coffee, I guess. But um, on that John Smith uh, estimate sheet, I uh, I was talking about a 50% markup, and I actually marked it up a lot more than that. So 43.20 was the total job cost uh, times 1.5 would be 64.80. So that actually clears up a lot, um, makes a lot more sense. Um, I was thinking the numbers didn't look right and didn't sound right, but uh, I was kind of uh, eager to get it out, and I was in a rush to get out of the house. So sorry about that. Um, so 43.20, 50% markup is 64.80. And John would have to sell that, and that makes a lot more sense for about uh, less than seven days of work. So, all right, guys, hope you're doing well.